The Pre-Med Year, session number 190. Hello and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome back to the pre-med years. If this is not your first time joining us, if this is your first time, welcome to the show. We are a two-time Academy of Podcasters award-nominated podcast, and unfortunately, a two-time loser of the Academy Awards, Academy of Podcasters Awards podcast. We were nominated again this year for the top podcast in the science and medicine category, and uh, just like we did last year, we lost to a great show. This year, we lost to Invisibilia, an NPR-produced, highly-produced show, and I, I'm okay with that. They have probably a dozen or two dozen people working on their show, and on this show, we have me, so I am okay with that. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this show because without you listening, I wouldn't be here doing this and I wouldn't have been nominated. Also, without you being here for this show, I wouldn't have questions to play today. And today, that's what I'm going to do. Over the course of the last couple weeks and months, we've received several voicemails from students like you who have questions, and we're going to answer that, or I'm going to answer those questions here. So if you ever have a question, you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash feedback, and you can use your computer and ask a question right there on the webpage, um, and it gives you some other ways to to get in there. I, uh, I'll start off with this first one here from Lisa. Hello, my name is Lisa, and I am a non-traditional pre-med currently working as a flight paramedic out of the state of Kansas. Long story short, I've toyed with the idea of a medical school for a long time, but a brain injury and negativity from myself and others kept me from pursuing it. I'm currently figuring out what additional coursework I may need, as I have all of the normal prerequisite coursework completed, uh, though some of it's almost 10 years old now. Does any of my schooling as a paramedic count for medical school GPA totals, particularly the science GPA? I apologize The answer, if the answer is in the AMCAS handbook. I just started looking at all this again, and I'm still figuring it out. I do love the podcast. It helps a tremendous amount, and it's one of the reasons that I'm finally pursuing my dream of becoming a physician. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks for that question, Lisa. I, I am excited that the podcast has given you the motivation to go back and hopefully fulfill your dreams. I think the, the first thing to look at is how old your prereqs are. While they're usually isn't an expiration date on prereqs. Typically, schools will like to see newer prereqs, but it also might help you to retake your prereqs to help you study for the MCAT. With that said, to your question, your flight medicine, flight nurse, flight medic training is probably not going to count towards anything for your undergrad prereqs or for for your medical school prereqs. Usually those courses are are done for a certificate, obviously for a flight, medic, uh, flight medic certificate in this case, 
and aren't really part of a accredited university of some sort. It's really just for that for that um, certificate. So it doesn't hurt to ask and, and dig a little bit deeper. Maybe the where you took your classes was fully accredited, and you might be able to to get a get a transcript and enter those grades, but but likely not. Um, but good question. I I wish you the best of luck on your journey. The next question here is from Mariah. Hi, Ryan. My name is Mariah, and I'm calling from Seattle. I graduated from Brown University five years ago, and I'm planning to apply to a career changer postback program for summer 2017. I'd like your advice about the best way for me to seek an academic reference for that postback. As an undergraduate, I worked full-time, and I didn't make the time to connect with my professors. I have great recommendations from supervisors, I have a 3.8 overall GPA, and I have a good story, including extensive clinical work with difficult patients and overcoming significant personal obstacles. However, I don't believe any of my professors would remember me well enough to provide a strong academic reference, and all of the postback programs I've looked at require at least one reference from a professor. So what do I do? Thank you. Mariah, great question, and actually a very common question that I get from non-traditional students applying directly to medical school. Medical schools will typically require a professor letter of recommendation from a science professor, from a non-science professor. And there are many non-traditional students that haven't interacted with, with their professors for some time. The recommendation that I would give you is if you don't think you can get a strong letter of recommendation, call the postback programs that you're interested in applying to. Let them know your situation. Let them know that you don't have a relationship with these people anymore. So a letter of recommendation from them would be useless and, and see if you can replace one of those letters with a letter from a supervisor, somebody that knows you a lot more. More often than not, they're going to be okay with that. And they'll, they'll gladly accept an alternate letter because you don't have a relationship with those professors. But with that said, I want to take a second to plug for you listening if you don't have good relationships with your professors, if you're a traditional student, non-traditional student, whatever it may be, start building those relationships. It's those relationships that, that take you so much further in life, whether it's on your pre-med journey, medical school, residency, wherever you are, build those relationships. All right, thanks, Mariah. Again, if you have a question, medicalschoolhq.net slash feedback will take you to the page where you can leave a question right there. In the page. The next one here is from Hayden. My name is Hayden and I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. I have a 3.2 GPA and I scored a 27 on the MCAT, but about 3,000 hours of shadowing through my job as described. I was wondering if I have any chance at MD or DO school. Thanks so much. All right, Hayden, this is a very typical student-doctor network question, an SDN question, and I, I don't blame you for that. I, I think everybody wants to know what are my chances, but the honest answer is there is no way for me to tell you that. With that said, if you look at the AAMC's website, if you just Google 
AAMC data. It'll bring you to a list of a bunch of amazing pieces of information that they have. And table A23 is a grid of MCAT and GPA scores for applicants and acceptees to U.S. medical schools. And this can tell you specifically what percentage of students got into medical school with stats similar to yours. So if you look at a 27 MCAT and a 3.2 GPA, 23.2% of those that applied were accepted. So your chances, if that's specifically what you want to know, for MD schools at least, is 23.2%. If you've listened to the show long enough and you know my spiel you'll know that you are more than your MCAT score. You are more than your GPA. Your application tells a lot more than what those two scores can tell an admissions committee. So it sounds like uh, obviously 3,000 hours of shadowing. It sounds like a a scribe. experience that you've had. Uh, Obviously, working as a scribe is is huge, great clinical experience. Uh, As long as the rest of your application is well-rounded, you you obviously have a chance. What specifically that is, I do not know. Obviously, it would be amazing if your GPA were higher, but it's not. It would be amazing if your MCAT score were higher, but it's not. And so the only thing you can do is apply and let the schools tell you that you don't have a chance. It only takes one school to accept you. So find out, apply, and if you don't get in, talk to the schools that didn't accept you and see what they recommend. All right, that was it for the voicemail questions. I do have a couple questions that were emailed in. And this first one here is from Christina. Christina, I actually met in Chicago recently I was there for podcast movement and the award ceremony I was talking about earlier. And I had a meetup with three people, uh, about 10 RSVP'd, but I guess uh, people got busy. And we had an an awesome couple hours sitting around and, and chatting and Christina was there, so it was great. But Christina emailed here this question. It's interesting because we didn't talk about it there. But the question that she asked here was that she was interested in moving to Canada either for or after medical school permanently. And she wants to be sure that she's preparing herself properly in terms of which tests to take, which classes to complete, and things like that. What is a good resource to be sure that she's on track? So, Christina, fortunately the Canadian medical schools are very similar to U.S. medical schools. So for the most part, you're going to be on track. If you're on track for a U.S. school, you're going to be on track for a Canadian school. With that said, it is very, very, very hard for a U.S. citizen to get into a Canadian medical school. It's not impossible, but it's hard. They are government-funded institutions, public institutions that have the desire to train their own citizens to hopefully stay in Canada and practice medicine in Canada. So you have two options. You can move to Canada, become a citizen, 
and then apply, become a resident and then apply to a Canadian medical school, or you go to medical school here and apply for Canadian residencies afterwards. I'm not sure specifically about applying to Canadian residencies as a as a U.S. student. Typically, for Canadian graduates coming to U.S. schools, they're typically not considered international medical graduates. So you probably will have an easier time going that route, going to a U.S. medical school and then a Canadian residency if you wanted to move up to Canada afterwards. So that is my advice for you for that. It was great meeting you in Chicago. And if you're listening to this and you would like to come hang out with me at some point, I think the next couple stops that I'll have, I'll have a, there will be a pre-med conference, I believe in Tampa around October and the UC Davis pre-med conference, October 8th, I will be at. So I might have meetups around those two conferences, but obviously, definitely, you can see me at the conference. So I look forward to meeting any of you there. We have one more emailed question that I pulled out here from Justin. And he said, I'm a non-traditional student, started college 20 years ago and had several difficulties and had some very bad semesters before eventually leaving school to take a job as a flight attendant. And we have a little flight theme today with the flight medic and a flight attendant. Now that I'm 38, I am in a much better place in my life, and I've just recently finished a certificate program in a Bible school. I'm ready to go back and actually finish school with the original intent of becoming a doctor. I've looked at the schools here in Oklahoma, it has been brought to my attention that with the University of Missouri, they actually are offering academic renewal now as course repeat. I was curious what your thoughts are on if I should reapply to University of Missouri and pursue the academic renewal to completely erase the grades of those few bad semesters, or if I should look into the course repeat option they, have, they now have. I appreciate any insight. So without knowing the specifics of the University of Missouri's academic renewal program, what you need to understand and what every student should do is go read the instruction manual for the AMCAS application, for the Texas application, and for the ACOMAS application. And for AMCAS specifically, they mentioned that even if you've gone through one of these academic bankruptcy or academic renewal programs, Courses that aren't on your transcript still need to be entered into the system. Now, the question is, how are they ever going to know? I don't know. Can you try to sneak one past them? Sure, but if you're caught, then you get a big red flag on your application and your chances of getting into medical school go from slim to none. So... I, I probably wouldn't go that route as far as trying to, to hide courses that are no longer on your transcript. It, your transcript will look a little weird because you're going to have coursework from your previous undergrad years where you probably had a full course load and now you only have two or three classes because one of those classes, two of those classes were taken away. 
So that that might be how they can tell if there are classes that are missing from your transcript. So no matter what, you're going to need to retake your classes, it sounds like. So go in, retake them. It doesn't really matter how you do it. Just understand for everybody, if you've taken classes and they've been wiped from your transcript, you still need to enter those into the application. All right, those are the questions I had today. Again, if you have any questions, go take a look at medicalschoolhq.net slash feedback. I did have a couple new reviews come in that I wanted to take a second and thank. We have Figure Skating Chick that says, ever since discovering this podcast, I've slowly started to listen to each episode every time I get in my car. Thank you for that review, Figure Skating Chick. We also have one here from Rue57 who says, I'm a non-traditional student that has decided to go back after receiving my bachelor's in psychology to prep for medical school, and this is not the easiest of paths to take. This podcast has given you given me so much confidence in that I feel like I'm not alone in this non-traditional world and that a non-traditional is sometimes valued amongst traditional pre-meds. And that is true. We value you, Rue57. Thanks for that. And we have one here from Taz XLRT. Everything you need to know about your pre-med journey can be found here. Yes, that is exactly right. Thank you for that, Taz XLRT. If you'd like to leave us a rating and review, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. All right, I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today. If you are interested in signing up to be notified when our medical school interview book launches, go to medschoolinterviewbook.com where you can sign up and get notified when we launch. We will be launching probably in the next week or two. It's still undetermined at this point how we will be launching. There have been some, some new things that have come up and by things, I mean the book has been picked up by a publisher, and so it will be published, but it won't be officially published until next year sometime. But I'm still going to launch it so that I can get the, the information out to you in time if you're applying this cycle, this cycle meaning the for class of 2017. So um, it'll either come out on Kindle or just a normal ebook or something else altogether. I'm still not 100% sure, but you can go to medschoolinterviewbook.com to get notified when we launch that. All right, shorter episode today. I hope you got some good information. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash feedback if you have your own questions to ask. I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters and the Pre-Med Years Podcast.